0: You're listening to the Mutual Audio
1: Network. Have a good day.
2: The following audio drama is rated G for general audience.
0: And now, a faux fiction audio production... Published by Not a Pipe Publishing. Super Guy by Kurt Clopton. Super Guy, the generic alternative. Less superhero hype, same superhero quality.
3: Chapter 2 There were a couple of things Oliver Olson hated about his internship. First was the look. It wasn't just the ordinary, everyday look someone gave you when you first met, one that was warm and welcoming and initially open to the prospect that you could become good friends. It was one certain look which never failed to appear in that brief moment Oliver was introduced as an intern. There was a distinct pattern which Oliver had seen repeated over and over That little introduction triggered such a complicated yet concise cascade of emotions that was really incredible to behold once you knew what to look for. The pattern usually shifted from surprise to suspicion to pity in a split second. Some of the more imaginative people could slip in a couple of other emotions. The record was seven distinctly different ones, but three was the standard The surprise aspect of the look came because Oliver was a bit older than the average intern in the office. In his defense, he was only 29, but when you're doing a job that usually falls to someone who may or may not be able to legally drink, it generates that instant of surprise. For some reason, that gap between low 20s and high 20s is huge. A vast chasm between those who are hip and those who don't know any better than, to use the term hip. Oliver assumed people noticed the age thing not because he had I'm 29 tattooed on his forehead, but because his rapidly receding hairline would allow for such a tattoo to be quite largish. It was a genetic thing. He considered himself somewhat lucky, since his brother had started going bald as a sophomore in college. But fate had countered that bit of good luck with his very blond hair, which was so fickle that in some light, particularly the type of fluorescent lighting commonly used in offices, it looked almost white. This color issue, plus the receding hairline, didn't exactly combine to make Oliver look young. And, as if to drive the point home, the city government offices where Oliver worked had uncommonly bad fluorescent lighting. It might have helped if Oliver was better looking. It seemed like you could get away with a lot more if you were. There had been a 21-year-old stud of a college guy in the office as an intern the year before, who needed written directions to get out of his cubicle, but he could have dropped his pants and peed in the corner of the cubicle, and folks would have only noticed his tight butt. Now, Oliver wasn't bad-looking in any way, just ordinary, Being of average height and weight and attractiveness, he wasn't a hideous monster, but he didn't rate a second look either. He was in good shape, surprisingly better than most would guess, but they just didn't notice. He seemed to be, in his own estimation, a half-step below noticeable. But that's a hell of a step. Oliver had a theory that many people had one period during their life when they looked good whether it was only one short year they peaked or an entire lifetime like some actors seem to have. Maybe it was when they were very young, just a baby, the cutest baby ever, but they redefined awkward-looking from the moment they got up on two legs. Maybe they were the chisel-chinned football star in high school, but a pot-bellied townie thereafter. Or maybe they eventually grew into their looks as they aged and hit their stride in their 30s or 40s. Like the girl from high school you're now friends with on Facebook that you wish you would have noticed back then? Oliver was pretty sure he'd hit his peak for about a week when he was 26, but unfortunately he had been in bed sick with mono. The second part of the look, suspicion, followed quickly on the heels of surprise because people immediately wondered why someone of Oliver's age is only doing an internship, and the answer to that question couldn't possibly be good. Perhaps if he'd been older, maybe 50, and probably a woman, a non-traditional student as they like to say, then it would have been okay, but to be pushing 30 and still not have a paying gig... That was just plain wrong. The real story was much more boring than their suspicions, simply being that Oliver had taken two extra years to complete college due to several changes of major, all of which were variations on the theme of not useful for getting a real job. Not to mention, he also took a year off before college to earn money to go in the first place, and then took the better part of a year off afterward to travel spending money he didn't have. That was followed by two years of crappy jobs in a misguided attempt to pay for the travel, during which time the repayment of his school loans began. Those loans had somehow achieved an obscenely high total Oliver could not comprehend, especially while working at Joe's Jiffy Copy and Internet Coffee Bar. Eventually, realizing the best way to deal with the school loans was to defer... Oliver was led full circle back to school. He chose computer science because the market was huge, at least right up until he was pretty much done with school and then the economy tanked. So Oliver ended up grabbing a low-paying internship, which had little to do with real computer work and hoped to ride out the bad economy. Maybe, just maybe, there was a decent job on the other side of the long, dark tunnel. The last part of the look, pity, came when the Observer decided they didn't actually want to know why Oliver was only an intern at his age, and just assumed he'd served the sentence for his crime, which was almost always certainly a spree of some sort, and was at least attempting to start a new life. They could get behind that. They could forgive. It's what we do in our culture, especially if the person in question plays professional sports. Secretly, they didn't give him much of a shot at success, but they would be supportive right up until the inevitable relapse. In their minds, they were picturing the office hostage situation that is the almost unavoidable conclusion to the story. Whatever the outcome, they definitely wouldn't be the ones on the news saying that he seemed like such a normal guy. Probably the most annoying thing about the look for Oliver was even though he was over halfway through his internship, he still met new people all the time. It didn't seem fair. This happened because he worked in a very large office complex, though not in the cool campus-like idea of some ultra-successful Silicon Valley startup, but more in a haphazard network of severally mostly outdated buildings that were all parts of the city government offices of Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Some of the buildings were next to each other while others were blocks away, but there wasn't any logic to it. This is the result when the city simply buys the nearest vacant space when it needs more room. Soon, everything is spread out. The particular department or office you may need could be two floors away, two buildings away, or, if you're really lucky, two blocks away. And let's face it, it'll be the one that's two blocks. It'll also be winter, with a sub-zero forecasted high and a windchill of 40 below. But you're resourceful, and you know you don't have to go outside at all if you use the skyway, then the tunnel, cut through a law office, then use the underground parking garage, then through another law office to another skyway to get there. Of course, with all the stairwells, elevators, and backtracking, you've made a two-block trip into something closer to two miles, but you never went outside. Needless to say, the city government offices sprawl. And Oliver's internship was just vague enough he found himself walking through every little inch of that sprawl, although his cubicle resided specifically in a section housing mainly law enforcement-related employees. That brings up the second thing Oliver hated about his internship. It wasn't being stuck in a tiny beige cubicle in particular, or having that cubicle nestled among the seemingly countless others in the law enforcement section of the office, or even working alongside most of the employees inhabiting those other cubicles. N- most. Sergeant Joseph Shibolinsky, assigned to desk duty due to some dubious back injury, was another story. Sergeant Shibolinsky whose official capacity was difficult for an observer to ascertain, except that it had been something to do with keeping a very accurate accounting of his days left until retirement, took it upon himself to mentor Oliver. That mentoring took the form of Sergeant Shibolinsky, passing on any of his own real work to Oliver, and supplementing that with obviously pointless but time-intensive tasks. In turn, most of those tasks would require multiple revisions and later, in a fit of clear-sightedness, would be abandoned as useless. Oliver was working on one such vitally useless revision on a Monday morning when Sergeant Shibolinsky appeared in the doorway of his cubicle. Olsen! Sergeant Shibolinsky seemed to believe impersonating a drill instructor was the best way to interact with people. And most everything he said was delivered in a manner that made you think he was either in the middle of a bowel movement or fighting off an aneurysm or both. Whatever the reason, there was a strain. This strain also seemed to be reflected in the sergeant's consistently reddish complexion. Overly large, bulbous nose and a collar on his uniform shirt that was undoubtedly too small, making it look like his neck was lava spilling out of the mouth of a volcano. It was surprising he didn't have steam escaping from his ears. Sergeant? Oliver didn't bother to look up. He had incredibly little to fight back with in this torturously long and losing battle, but he thought giving the sergeant any extra attention, even in the form of eye contact, would only give the man more
0: satisfaction. Olson, that disc you gave me Friday with that safety presentation? I seem to have misplaced it. I'll need you to redo it.
3: Oliver didn't react at all, only barely paused from his work to reach up and grab a CD from the shelf above his computer. He checked the label. Oh, here's a copy. Made an extra just in case. He handed it to the sergeant without looking, keeping his ever-so-slight look of triumph hidden. Oh, and actually... Oliver closed what he was working on and saved a copy to a thumb drive. He pulled it out and handed it to the sergeant also.
1: Just finished the revisions on those stats tables. Took a long time, but they're ready for tomorrow
3: morning. Oliver thought he could feel the glare as Sergeant Shibulinski took the thumb drive and he decided he'd like to see the annoyance firsthand, since these small victories weren't common. But when he looked up at the sergeant, instead of annoyance, he found Sergeant Shibulinski was smiling. The usual smug, deflating smile. Ah,
0: well, thanks for this.
3: He handed the thumb drive back to Oliver with a wink.
0: But on this stats thing, I know I told you to make all the revisions according to the 2012 data? Well, it seems that that's not what they want. It's the 2013 data. So I'll need you to adjust it. Sorry about that. Still need it by tomorrow, 9 a.m.
3: He turned and walked off. Oliver wasn't positive, but he thought he could hear the sergeant whistling. Or maybe it was the ventilation system taunting him. Oliver was resting his head on his desk, and had been for nearly ten minutes when Roger entered his cubicle. Looks like someone is having a good day, said Roger, dropping into the extra chair inside the cubicle. Roger Allen was about the same height and build as Oliver, with a shaved head and John Lennon granny glasses. He was a big Beatles fan. Roger was also the main computer support person for the office and had become a friend of Oliver's early on in the relationship. He tried to send useful, more interesting computer related tasks Oliver's way when he could, but there was really little he could do to really help him other than listen to his complaints. Um, whatever this is, it's not gonna screw up basketball, is it? Basketball was the reason the two had met after Oliver started the internship, both playing in regular pickup games after work at a nearby gym. Oliver was a more consistent shooter, but Roger handled the ball better and claimed to have the overall edge in basketball talent because he was black. He said it was the stereotype and he was going to take advantage of it. The truth of the matter was that while they were both decently athletic, they were decently more nerd. Better at compiling and running their own code than running a pick and roll, but they loved it nonetheless.
1: This will absolutely not interfere with basketball
3: in keeping with the rules. There were only a couple acceptable excuses that could keep you from playing ball. And those were being injured, preferably badly, and being out of town. Though the latter was frowned upon because a man has control over his own schedule. Everything else, like work, visitors, or relationships, could be planned around basketball. You just had to have priorities.
1: It won't interfere with that, just everything else tonight. And by tonight, I mean all evening, plus that little thing I like to call sleep. I was supposed to see a movie with Kate, but I, that's not going to happen
3: now. Bummer. How's it going with Kate anyway? Oliver shrugged without taking his head off the desk. He didn't want to drain his energy reserves anymore by actually getting upright to perform the gesture. He wondered how much of the rest of the day he could get through like this. Good. Things with Kate
1: are actually good. I think there's a lot of potential with her. Well, other than
2: Kate, a definite anomaly. You don't have any light to speak of. So it seems working all night shouldn't really affect you in much at all. I was just worried about how this head-on-desk thing would affect me.
1: Very thoughtful of you. Least I can do.
2: So why don't you give me the rest of the story?
1: Just the usual. Good old Sergeant Shibolinsky had me spend hours doing something with the wrong data, and now he wants the right stuff by tomorrow morning. It's the same old thing, really. I really should just get some cards printed so I don't have to repeat this every single time. Or maybe make like a little audio clip from my phone, like, I've been shablinskied again. Oh man, I can't wait for this job to be over. It's not so much of a job as it is kind of a prison sentence. What did I do? Did I kick God's dog or something? Oh, come on. You know that's not the way to think about it.
2: You need to change your perspective. Put a little spin on things. It's all about to spin. Hmm, think about it this way. What you have here is a very prestigious, it is city government after all, a very prestigious, slightly salaried consultancy
1: position. The only part of that description that's accurate is the slightly salaried bit. The only consulting I do is with you in determining just how much more of this I can take. Okay, obviously we haven't spun it enough yet. The pay scale puts
2: you on par for a real job in, say, 1967. That's a good year. So it's kind of a retro thing. Retro is cool now. You are a retro consultant. Start listening to Sgt. Pepper
1: and Drop an Acid, and it will all seem sensible. Hmm. Hard to say for certain, but I don't think you're helping.
3: Hey, this'll help. It's Joan. Mm. Oliver was up from his chair in a flash, then immediately tried to look subtle as he eased up next to Roger. Joan was practically a celebrity around the office, at least with the male population. Long black hair, long perfect legs. She was the object of every man's lust. And, unfortunately, she knew it. She didn't acknowledge your existence if you weren't somebody important, which meant she was practically alone in the office because barely anyone was important enough for her. Oliver was a definite non-entity. Although, she had once asked him to get something for her off a high shelf, which he considered the highlight of his internship so far. If you were a city councilman, you might get a hello. But she gave most everyone else the same amount of attention she gave the fake plastic plants, which dotted the building. You really hated her for it, but you would also lick her shoes clean if she asked. Coincidentally, Oliver was picturing just that image when a small, sharp pain shot through his knee. Ouch! He said, reaching down to rub it. He took one more look at Joan, who was now disappearing down a hall and settled back into his chair. Knee still bothering you? Nah, occasionally.
1: Which is to say, just when I stand, sit, or move, or, you know, generally just make any use of it. I wonder if I should have it looked at. You keep saying that. That's about as far as it will go, too. As long as it doesn't get any worse. Can't afford the copay on the doctor visit, which is another place where your retro consultancy theory doesn't pan out. Today, the copay on the exam alone would probably be enough to have my knee scoped back in 1967. If they even scoped knees back then. Okay. Retro may not
2: really work if you insist on looking at it that closely, but I still like the sound of it. So I'm going with it. And if the retro consultant is available, I do have a
1: small project that came up this morning. Did you not hear the story I was telling you earlier? Sergeant Shibolinsky, stats, no more sleeping, any of that ring a bell? No, doesn't sound familiar. I really have a hard time following your stories
2: if there's no car chase in them. Smartass. Look, don't worry. It's a small project that's not due anytime soon, so you can put it aside and deal with this Shibulinski thing first. Anyways, I forgot to bring it with me, so I'll have someone drop the file off later.
1: Sure, sure. Pile it on. Just tell them to look for the retro consultant. Maybe I'll just put that as my job title on Facebook. You should. Take pride in it. Seize the
2: day. Okay, I'll send the file over. See you at ball.
3: Oliver sat staring at the cubicle wall a moment longer until he put a hand on his forehead. It seemed a little warm, and he felt a little funky. Ah,
1: great. Now I'm getting sick. Obviously, this has to be some kind of cool retrovirus, like the plague.
0: You have been listening to Super Guy by Kurt Klopton, a faux fiction audio production published by Not-A-Pipe Publishing. Look for the sequel to Super Guy coming this September. This recording, characters, and the situations within are the property of their author and creator, and protected by copyright. If you wish to listen to more episodes in advance, search patreon.com, then faux fiction audio, and sign up to be a monthly patron. Or stay tuned until the next week for your free episode. We will see you then.
4: Hi, my name is Tracy Babian, co-author of the Carlson Chronicles podcast. My husband. J.A. Babian, the main author, had a triple stroke in the latter part of August of this year. Jerry was lifelighted to Tulsa, Oklahoma, with a brain bleed that the doctors thought they were going to have to do surgery on him, which surely would have killed him. Thank the Lord they didn't. He survived that brain bleed and swelling, but he is in need of so much for his recovery. I have started a GoFundMe to help with all the costs that I just don't have. I retired back in April of this year so that I could take care of Jerry as he was starting to show signs then that I just didn't catch. Little did I know this would be a blessing in disguise. He is fighting this setback of memory loss and 75% use of his right leg, arm, along with his cognitive speech. Considering the doctor said he would not make it, I consider him to be a miracle. Medicare has only granted 12 visits of physical and speech therapy twice a week. He needs at least six months' worth of speech therapy alone. That is a total of $4,000 we need to pay up front that I just don't have. So far, we have had $775 in donations of the $10,000 we need come in. Please donate today so that he can get his needed medication, therapy, and also help pay bills at Medicare just will not cover, even if it's only $5. I update this account so folks can see his progress. You can go to my Facebook account, Tracy Babian VO, to find the pinned link with the title, Jerry Babian Stroke Victim Needs. Jerry says, thank you. I still have a lot to write on my stories that I want to get done. Please help me to achieve that goal. Thank you in advance for your donation. Tracy Babian.